1: Kirk Cousins, he has pushed himself to a higher level and I think it's gonna continue. Oh baby, I can't believe I just saw you pick Kirk Cousins.
2: I mean, the love-hate continues. I love him. He's your guy.
1: Follow him. I love him not. Kirk Cousins is kind of a dork. I love him. I'll get Kirk Cousins tattooed, left arm. I love him not. I don't like it at Kirk Cousins. I like it at Kirk Cousins today. Oh, baby. You can't. Hey, hey. Man. Must respect one and nine on Monday Night Football. One and nine, baby. They're on their way. Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings finally breaking that Monday Night jinx. Yeah, they won a Sunday Night game last year with Kirk Cousins, but it was against the Cowboys, and they finished eight and eight. Tonight at least, or Monday night, it feels like one extended. I, it does. I it looks slept. like you
2: partied all night.
1: Did you celebrate? Did. But did you fly I out did. there to Minnesota and party with? I, Kirk? No, I just I, I haven't. Well, the game was in Chicago, so it would have been very. <laughs> well, useful. he flew there but, after. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But uh, uh, I, I, hey, it's it's one in nine. You can't dispute one in nine on Monday night football. I'm being slightly facetious, although sounds the like moment it. that it looked like the Vikings had iced the game. Kirk Cousins acted like he had just won the Super Bowl. So I figured, hey, if it's that important to him, I'll break out the jersey that I had to buy last year because he did something that I can't. Oh, it was when he won on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys. That was what I had to do. I had to have it ready to go for the next day, I think it was, or something like that. But, yeah, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings – get to four and five third straight victory. Chris Sims way to go with a Monday night football win over the Chicago Bears. Are you back on the bandwagon?
2: So is that what we're, are we officially stating that like I'm, I'm back? Hey, what's up? Me and my son officially are a tandem. Now and we're back on the Vikings bandwagon. I know he didn't ditch them. He has a little more loyalty,
1: but what, you know, you, I just, I don't know where the hell you lie right now. <laughs> I mailed in the annulment papers. I don't. There've been so many issues with mail-in items lately. I'm not quite sure where the annulment papers are. Let's just leave it at that. But uh, anyway, it's PFT Live, Peacock, Sirius XM 211, 9 a.m. Eastern. Hello to future NBCSN audience and also even more future UK and Ireland crowd on Sky Sports NFL and anyone listening on the podcast. The the, the Vikings, I. I uh, was impressed last night by the fact that the run game, even though Dalvin Cook eventually had 96 yards, it wasn't clicking early, just like last year when they went to Soldier Field. Right. And Kirk Cousins, unlike last year, was able to move the chains. He didn't collapse under the weight of the Bears' pass rush. And I think that's credit to the Vikings' offensive line. You know, the offensive line only gets noticed when they play like crap. The offensive line played pretty well last night because I didn't see Khalil Mack in Kirk Cousins' face on a regular basis. No, and, you know, I think the first thing is
2: what, what you started off with there, the, the run game and the fact that they're able to stay patient with it and continue to just go ahead, Dalvin, go ahead, you know. And, yeah, it wasn't pretty or anything like that, but it helped them manage the football game, slow down that pass rush you're talking about, and then uses the greatest weapon they have other than Dalvin Cook, which is that bootleg play-action pass game off of their Dalvin Cook runs. And that's where we saw Kirk Cousins make a number of plays last night. Hey, that's tough sledding. You know, yeah, he was happy last night. Of course he was. Yeah, I'm sure he was very aware that he's 0-9 in Monday Night Football. I mean, he's a smart guy. He understands what's surrounding him as far as the conversations is concerned. And then he's had issues with the Bears, as you've mentioned and as we know. The Bears are are, are a tough matchup for the way the Vikings want to play football. You know, they can stop the run, as we saw last night, and make things hard, which has made things hard on Kirk Cousins because the pass game's not there and all that, uh, and it's not the most creative pass game in the world. So I'm happy for him. I am. It's just another thing to shut people up about. You see how fickle it is, though. I mean, there he was. He was playing pretty good, you know, and there they were down. Adam Thielen drops a pass, and it gets intercepted by Khalil Mack, and you know, you could lose a game because of that play, and then we'd go, Oh, well, Kirk Cousins is 0 and ten, even though
1: that wasn't his fault and he played well. That was all on Thielen. Yes. That was that right. was that was a bad that, one. That erased the awesome catch yes, that he made right. for the first touchdown of the night where he he gets it with one arm and flipped it in his hand to better secure it one handed while he was falling to the ground. It was an unbelievably great catch that goes away when you 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 don't secure the ball; it pops up in the air, and Khalil Mack, and and that was that was when it was like, okay, that's it. All right, it was. You thought it was over mass, right there. The, oh, that was I thought it was over at that point. I thought that was it. That was that. And if the Bears had any semblance of an offense, it would have been over.
2: Yeah. Well, that's. Whoa. Okay. Do you want to? You want to go over there? Let's start talking about that. Well, uh,
1: let, let, but let's yeah. let's let's put a pin in that for now. Let's okay. stick with the Vikings' offense because. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, Dalvin Cook ended up with 96 rushing yards on 30 carries, 3.2 average per attempt. He regained the NFL rushing lead, even though he's missed a game and a half due to injury. They were patient. They, they, and, and I think one of the reasons they were patient with it is, is because of that bears offense. We'll talk about when the Vikings were struggling early, the bears weren't able to do anything about it. And then when the Vikings got it going. And then the other moment that I thought it was over was after the Cordell Patterson, and four yard touchdown return to start the second half. I thought, okay, that was it. It was fun while it lasted, but the Vikings didn't get desperate. They, they stayed patient. They converted some key third downs. They got themselves out of some holes. Justin Jefferson is awesome. He had eight catches for 135 yards last night, even though Thielen had the touchdowns, Justin Jefferson is becoming clearly the best rookie receiver. Definitely. And, and, and moving up the ranks of the best receivers currently in the nfl i mean he's become exactly i mean look he still has yet to do the full stefan diggs yeah but he's body of work he's but, on his but way he's been a he's been a competent replacement he's a lot better than troy williamson replacing randy moss in right. 2005 i'll give him that he is dr- tremendously better than that and and he's on his way to becoming their top receiver. Yeah, he
2: he's a he's a special player. He can do everything. That's what that's what we see. It's what what I loved about him coming out at LSU. And I think the thing that's probably surprised me a little bit more than I even expected is, you know, his explosiveness after the catch. You know, I think that's one thing that's caught me off guard. You know, I knew he could 50-50 run routes, catch the ball over the middle, do those type of things. But where he is special and perfect for this offense You know, he's got a little ex-quarterback in his blood from high school and his family and his brother played quarterback at LSU. So he's got great feel for a lot of those bootleg type plays or to work the middle of the field to be, you know, as they would say, quarterback friendly. And what people mean when they say that is a guy that understands coverages and how to use his body, you know, to make a catch or create a little space to make it easier for the quarterback to throw it. He's uh, very polished that way. And. You know, the, the the word you kept, you used there, you know, the patience, that to me was the key to the game. That could have very easily gotten like in the late second, third quarter. It would have gone, you know what? We're just not going to be able to run with Dalvin Cook tonight. It's not going to happen. We're going to have to just drop back and start throwing it. And then I think things would have been an issue. But the fact that Gary Kubiak, Zimmer stayed with that run, knowing that ooh, it only takes one with this guy, and all of a sudden a lackluster night goes into a huge night, and he was close and had some penalties and all that, but still it gives their team the best chance when they stay patient with that run, and it helps their defense, as we know, who's young and growing and getting
1: better right before our eyes. One thing I have to give Kirk Cousins credit for, too, he didn't have that periodic deer in the headlights, what do I do now, demeanor. He never has the look. But you can just tell by his body language that if it doesn't start off the way it was designed, he's very quickly on the edge of just calling it a day, taking a sack, just collapsing in the pocket. We didn't see a lot of that last no, night. We there did was not. one of those rollouts. You know, we like like we saw rollouts where he had a guy in his face and he still made the throw. Yes. I I can remember vividly occasions where he's got a guy in his face and it all breaks down. He only got sacked one time on the evening. Again, it's credit to the offensive line, and I feel bad about this because offensive line gets ripped to shreds when a guy gets sacked nine times. When a guy manages to get sacked only once over the course of an evening and be able to operate the offense, we're like praising him. We, we, we do need to credit the offensive line, but Cousins, I think, stayed calm. They've done something to calm him down when it's not all coming easily. I think that's what was significant about last night's win for the Vikings. There's no middle ground for that offense. It's either everything works and everything clicks and you're rolling up yards either by running or passing, typically by running, and you, you, you have enough to win the game going away. Or you get blown off the field. This grind it out, be patient, keep chopping wood for three hours thing, you rarely see them do. Am I wrong? No, no, you're
2: not. Because, you know, I think what you're saying is usually when their run game works, it just goes, whoa, everything's working. Here we go. The boots, the play actions. Now even the drop back pass game becomes more dangerous. And you're right. They almost look unstoppable to where you just go, man, he's making decisions, the way they're running the ball, you know, those two receivers, the tight ends, and it looks great. But... When the run is not there, that's when you and I sit there on a Sunday and go, oh, man, oh, they look crappy. Watch out. Because it's just not an offense. And we heard this when Gary Kubiak, you know, with Peyton Manning, even in the Super Bowl season there with the Denver Broncos. You know, that was the same type of story. When it comes to drop back pass game, it's just not the most creative stuff in the world. It is predicated on their ability to run the football. And when they don't have that, they really struggle. But Cousins, I think, like to your point, too, without the deer in the headlights thing, he's, getting, he's very comfortable in the offense. I think he's very comfortable with this is the way it's going to be this year. It's just not going to be pretty always. So we're going to run the ball. We might have some dull moments, but I'm just going to kind of hang in there because this is the style of football we're going to play. And I think within the comfort of that offense, too, Mike, you know, he got, he's got the answers. He's got answers. Oh, wait, if they blitz, I do this. If they play coverage, I do this. So he's not sitting there patting the ball sometimes like, oh, wait, where where am I supposed to go with this one? And he made quick decisions last night, got the ball out of his hands and didn't make big mistakes. And that's how we've seen Bears upset teams. That's why we saw Mike Zimmer go crazy when they kicked it to Cordell Patterson because he's going, their offense is never going to score on me. They're not going to score. So as long as we don't turn it over and kick it to that guy, we're going to win the football game. And that's where I give cousins credit. He understands the full scope of what they're trying to accomplish that way.
1: Yeah. Six offensive points last night for the bears, seven on special teams, much like their last Monday night game where they had three offensive points and seven from their defense. Let's hear from Matt Nagy as we flip it over to the bears, abysmal offense and, The Vikings impressive defense it was probably more though the Bears offense than anything else here's Nagy on the offensive struggles
3: we struggled uh, mightily on offense and having the four three and outs um at the in the the second half Uh, we had field position we couldn't convert on that in, in the red zone um And so I just, you know, it overshadows how well I thought our defense played and the different sudden changes that they had, how well our special teams played. I was proud of those guys. So two out of three parts right now are playing well. It took a little bit for me to get used to, but then I kind of felt comfortable in that role and, and, and was feeling it. Then you get down kind of into that fourth quarter when, you know, it's it's 19 to 13. And, you know, we were struggling a little bit with some of those drives. But that just comes down to, to that trust, right, in, in, this, in this moment and understanding and being able to help as much as possible. And, um, like I said, I, I, didn't wanna, I did not want to um, make Bill feel like I was on his shoulder the whole game, and I didn't do that. we I, I, just went and played. And so it was different for me, certainly.
1: I'm sorry, at some point, my ass is on the line as the head coach. When it's three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out in the second half, I'm saying, hey, Bill, I got it from here. I, I, I don't know why Nagy didn't do that. At some point, I think you've got to do that. Because N- Nagy, when it's time to go in and meet with the boss, when you may or may not be fired after the season, it's not a feather in your cap that you let Laser go down with the ship on Monday Night Football. No, no, it definitely
2: is not. It was not a good look last night. You know, I, I, I didn't expect anything special, certainly. But I think it was worse than what I expected. That's for sure. You know, Bill, first off, Bill Lazor, he's in a very tough spot. Let's just let's mention that. I mean, it, it's week 10 in the NFL, and hearing is, oh, yeah, take over the plays, right? He doesn't really get to put his imprint on the offense and maybe have things and, and certain plays that he wants to run that he gets to install or just a certain attitude about the offense that becomes the theme of how he calls plays. So that's really tough. You know, second of all, why do we expect a lot of different results? The offensive line still good, not good. They can't run the ball. And laser runs the same offense as Matt Nagy. That's my issue with the whole thing anyways. There's no ideas there in Chicago. It's all the same crappy idea getting thrown around to each other with the guys that run the same offense. So, you know, there's nothing there. And then, you know, added on to that last night, you know, what you saw was we saw some different formations and plays and things like that. But certain formations and plays had no answers, especially for the blitz, you know, and we just talked about Kirk Cousins feels comfortable because he has answers. You saw a guy, Nick Foles, last night in certain formations where Mike Zimmer and company blitz them and he didn't know what to do, where to go with the ball. You know, was there supposed to be a, was he supposed to be protected? I don't know. But the offense is all over the place. I mean, it really, it was, it's well, an embarrassment.
1: Hey, 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 Chris, if a blitz is coming now, I know sometimes you can't anticipate it because it's disguised. Yeah. But the announcers made a great point at, at one juncture of the second yeah, half. Harrison I remember Smith blitzed. There were no hot routes. No hot everybody routes. Everybody was running a deep route. What are you supposed to do if you're Nick Foles? That's
2: what I mean. And then that's for, for everybody out there listening and watching or whatever. That's what I mean by answers. You know, there's certain things. I'll just put it in my own my own terms here. John Gruden if we got in a certain formation, I had answers for everything. Hey, Chris, if they bring this blitz, I want you to check to this. Hey, if they bring this blitz, we're going to check to that. Hey, if they bring that blitz, this guy's hot, and we're going to get the ball out of the hand here. you know. And then if they do this real crazy defense, I want you to max protect, and we'll block everybody up, and we'll just try to take a one-on-one shot. That, to me, is a repetitive theme I see with the Chicago Bears. Like, they get caught off guard with blitzes and pressure where it's like, well, what? We didn't even talk about this in meetings. They, they never blitzed this formation. What do we do? And that, to me, is inexcusable. And, of course, that just leads to horrible offense and really a tough spot for Nick Foles, and I hope he's okay.
1: Well, And you saw it, and we'll talk about Foles yeah. in a second. There's a new report about his injury, and it's not a serious injury, which is good news. Several occasions, especially in the second half when it seemed to be rolling in Minnesota's direction with this collection of guys – that I, I recognize the numbers, but I don't know who they are, like 47, but that's not Joey Brown or 93. That's not John Randall. I don't know who a lot of these guys are, but 10 of them would be up at the line of scrimmage. Anthony Harris, the free safety, would be yeah. covering the deep zone right. all by himself, and you never knew who would blitz and who would drop, and, no. and I think that if you, if you put on film enough times, Chris, that you don't have quick answers, that Nick Foles isn't managing that, you know, seeing what's coming and and creating an answer for himself then then you, you just confuse yeah and that's what happened just that's confuse him and and it all collapses before he can figure out what the hell's going on
2: it is total exposing of the protection scheme and mike zimmer realizing they don't they don't know the rules at times or i can expose their rules and get somebody free every time and that's i mean he did that you know, a lot last night, he didn't always outnumber him with the blitz, but he found ways to go, wait, I'm rushing five. I know you have five or six blockers, but I've kind of tricked you over here to where you have to block these guys on the right. Oh, one of them dropped out. And now you have a guy wasted over there and you're one short on the other side. And he did that to your point, Mike, like repeatedly last night. The offense is so bad in Chicago right now. I don't know what to say. I mean, I really don't. It's as bad as I've seen. I mean, when you talk about three of their last four games, the Vikings, the Titans, the Rams, and I know they got the Saints game in there mixed in, uh, and they made a player or two in that game because the Saints played too much man. But, man, other than that, I mean, there's nothing, and I don't think it's going to improve because of what they have there in the coaching staff and, of course, the players they have as well to go with it.
1: And I think one reason why Matt Nagy didn't take the reins during the game, this is an argument – that it's not me it's not me right it's not me calling the plays it may be my offense it may be my team that stinks but it's the problem isn't me calling the plays. um mike zimmer uh, has to be happy with how his defense has been performing in recent weeks after an abysmal start to the season here he is after last night's victory
3: they're starting to mature a little bit and then you know obviously they're getting a little bit of uh, confidence now um, you know, I think it's been three games here, last three games that we've had, you know, other teams had the ball with a chance to win the game and, you know, we've been able to, um, to put the fire out, I guess. And so, you know, the more times you do that, the more times that you, um, you know, you believe that you can do it. And then secondly, you know, I think they're starting to understand the, what we're trying to do conceptually with the calls and, and things like that as well.
1: Late in the game, it felt like the Vikings were still trying to blow it. And they had that fourth and five with, what was it, like a minute or so left. They were able to bleed the clock. Do you go for it there? Do you kick the long field goal and risk the block that gets returned for the touchdown and you lose 20 to 19 with the extra point? Or do you punt? It's a no-brainer. You punt because you're suffocating the Chicago offense. And on that first play where it was almost an interception, as Nick Foles did everything he could to get rid of the ball before he went down. He went down hard, Chris, and he was carted off. NFL media is reporting no fracture in the hip. The hip is what they're focused on. It wasn't clear. Was it the shoulder? Was it the back? What did he hurt? But he was clearly in agony and uh, so far so good uh, for the diagnostic evaluations of Nick Foles. But, But then they put Tyler Bray in. I didn't know Tyler Bray was still in the league, yeah, I know. frankly. Right. And I don't think he did either based <laughs> upon how he played when he came in. I don't know what you can expect from a guy no, who all right. of a sudden it's off with the mask and on with the helmet after you're getting ready to just you know, walk into the locker room and call it and another night in your third-string Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, and, and I guess it would have been fitting if he'd have found a way to, to crank up the offense, but that wasn't happening. And now we'll have to see when Foles will be able to come back Mitchell Trubisky's got a shoulder injury. He's out. Yeah. I can't imagine they go with Tyler Bray this weekend, but who who else do you have? I, I mean, what else can you do? That's right.
2: They might have to. I mean, Tyler Bray was in Kansas City with Matt Nagy before this, so he does have good understanding of the offense. He's got talent, too. You know,
1: I watched him down at the University of Tennessee. He 10 knows of, he knows the worst offense in football well, extremely well. Yeah, he's it, got that going for him.
2: He does. Nice. He's got that going for him. He does. So I mean, at least he'll know those type of things. But yeah, I mean, li- listen, I don't give him much of a fighting chance. Certainly, I don't care how good you are; it doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter. It, you know, it's another great example. Hey, Nick Foles is he's solid quarterback. You know, but when you have zero run, when you have you know maybe the worst offensive line in football the worst running attack in football, really not a starting running back on your roster, then I, you know, what do you expect to go along with really boring, non-innovative ideas in the pass game? I, I just don't care who you are. I mean, you could throw Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes in Chicago. It ain't going to look much different. It's not. I mean, yeah, maybe they make a play here and there, but that, that's a tough one. And, you know, the, I think the thing that's bad about it, too, is, you know, Nick Foles... Hey, there's the first play of the game. He's trying to be aggressive. Let's go. Let's start. Let's get this thing going on offense. And he misses a big throw, you know, early on to put his team in a hole right away. Hey, defense, try to save me right away. You know that was an issue certainly to get them off to start that way. And uh, I'll say the other thing that didn't, you know, help the offense necessarily: the kick return. When you have that, that's a great thing. But that's one less time on the field, and now the other team gets on the field and all that. So they have so many issues. It's not going to get fixed there in Chicago. The offense needs to just get the hell out of the way, try to just kick a few field goals every game, and let the defense win it.
1: The good news is they don't need a quarterback this weekend because they, they have that bye, one right. of the later byes. The bad news is they're going to Lambeau Field Sunday night football Thanksgiving weekend, and whoever it is whatever they do they better come up with something better the Packers have been sluggish in their home games early on so maybe the Bears have an opportunity to jump out early but no one's going to expect this. going to be another one of those nights Chris on football night in America it's going to be G's across the board Tariko's going to take the Bears and the Bears are going to win that's probably what's coming in, in in 12 days the Vikings though Four and five and three wins in a row and three home games coming up. Boy, in a normal year, that would be three automatic wins if you had fans in the stands. No fans in Minnesota for the balance of the season. Cowboys, Panthers, Jaguars are the next three. Six combined wins for the next three teams. And look, it's not like they're going to blow people out, but just chip away, chip away, chip away. And then the next game after that is a trip to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and company. But the Vikings could be seven and five going into that game, and very much alive in the chase for the seventh seed in the NFC. So it's amazing how they turned it around. It is, and, and look, they had they had the Titans beaten and blew it. They yep. had the Seahawks beaten and blew it. You just flip one of those, yeah. and you're five and four, right? And uh, it's a different world as you as you hit the home stretch of the season. But you know that we we talked about the Patriots being in this every week as a playoff game mode. The Vikings are in this every week as a playoff game mode, and you're building confidence. And, and, you know, if that's how you ultimately get your ticket to the party in January, you're so much better served. You can't engineer that. You can't force it. It either happens or it doesn't, and you hate to have to live dangerously to get there, but that's what they have to do. And if they do make it to Week 17, and when the dust settles, they have a spot in the postseason field, they will be better off than if they had had it easy the whole season because they've been battle tested week in and week out to get there. One more thing about the bears. On yeah. Offense. Yeah. I, one thing I noticed late in the game, I, I almost feel like they decided Coral Patterson is the only one who seems to have any ability and or give a crap. Let's just keep giving it to him. Did you notice that?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I think he, he's one of the few guys, their schemes can't get anybody open. They can't do it. And there's two guys in their offense that can do something without the scheme. You know, Alan Robinson can win some one-on-ones and he can win a jump ball if they can throw the ball accurately to him that way. And then Cordero Patterson can make people miss and outrun people. And I think they just look at that as, hey, he's our best weapon. Let's get the ball in his hands somehow, some way. But it just shows you, yeah, they got issues all across that roster and they don't even know how to use. Their receiving core is not that bad. Listen, I think a lot of teams and quarterbacks in football, I, I could name a few of man, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Mooney, you know, that tight end, I'll, I'll trade you. But, but it, it doesn't matter. The offense has no idea how to utilize these guys and get them open and make it quarterback friendly or anything like that. And uh, that's the frustrating thing about the Bears offense on a weekly basis.
1: And I don't see it getting any better. No. And every year we see, just like we see a team get hot, and win and win and win and win when their back's against the wall. There's a team that starts off great, and it just disintegrates. 5-1 and one to 5-5, five and five, and they have 12 days to figure out how to try to get a victory, to try to break that four-game losing streak when they face the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. Let's take a break. When we return, the human body has 24 ribs. More than 20% of Drew Brees' ribs are broken. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live.
0: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40 volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: There's Drew Brees being tended to by three of his four children. He's got the best Medical team in the world will be back in no time. You see he's using the breathing apparatus that anyone who's had surgery or a family member who's had surgery, that's a common device used to get the lung capacity back to where it needs to be. And that's important for Drew Brees because Edward Werder of ESPN reported on Monday, Chris, that Brees has five fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. So he's got to do some work to get the lung back to where it needs to be. The ribs will heal in their time, depending upon the severity of the fractures. I remember there was a time Donovan McNabb had a broken rib, and there was a concern that the rib wasn't, the rib's got to be sticky. It's got to be adhering to the rest of the rib because otherwise, you have a piece of bone. You have a piece of bone that is floating around in your uh, internal organ cavity, which I'm no doctor. That sounds like probably not an ideal situation. No, it's not an ideal situation. You know, the the collapsed lung,
2: I don't know a lot about that one. Um, I I don't. So I'm sure there's some things you got to work with there to get that back up to speed, strength, all those type of things. We talked about it yesterday. You know, ribs are tough. Ribs are tough no matter what, let alone, oh, man, I got to extend my body and create this torque and throw a football and do those type of things. You know, and I think you and I have had this conversation off camera. You don't have to break your ribs. I mean, even if you got pulls in the cartilage in between the ribs and things like that, can be incredibly annoying and painful, and especially for a thrower, you know, where you have to raise that arm and create that torque all the time. And that's going to be, to me, the thing that I just go, ooh, you know, how bad is it in there? How much pain is he going to be able to deal with? You know, and it might be a few weeks before he feels like he can really cut it loose And, you know, throw balls 15
1: and 20 yards with some pace on it. I fell down a hill when I was 14 years old and broke multiple ribs and everything hurts. Breathing. Yes. Hurts. Right. And and then on the night it happened or maybe the next day and I'm laying in bed immobilized. Here come the hiccups. There was no pain I've ever endured in my life like hiccups on broken ribs. And I learned in that moment how to mentally harness your diaphragm and make the hiccups go away. The pain was that bad, so everything hurts. And he's got five of them. And 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 here's the thing, there's a little bit, a shell game that always goes on with NFL injuries. He was on the injury report the past couple of weeks with a shoulder, he was limited in practice. And then, then there are reports that he already had fractured ribs before this, and nobody knows what the truth is. And the teams know there's strategic value in deliberately obfuscating because if you say he's got a rib problem, what are you doing? You're painting a target on each side of his rib cage for defensive players to come after. Here's Sean Payton yesterday talking about the situation with Drew Brees and also uh, who takes over if Brees
3: can't play. I remember last year when when Drew was injured in. Seattle, you didn't name a starting quarterback until late into the week. Um, is it
0: That'll be the case this weeks? week, too. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to follow up. And what, Fair enough. Uh, maybe, could you maybe the process of what goes into that? Is it just week of
3: practice? Is it game plan? It, it's a Probably a lineup. little bit of all
0: of it. Yeah, a little bit of all of that. And also, none of it benefits us by announcing that player earlier than later.
1: You know, it's funny. Sean Payton can be a very affable, friendly, gregarious guy. But when injury is the subject matter, he slips into the personality of Yev Kassem, otherwise known as the Soup Nazi. But, the, 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 you know, the, look, that's the old school Bill Parcells approach. Why do you say anything about it? You're not saying anything about it. Anything you say can and will be used against you. No, of course
2: not. And then especially when one of the quarterbacks could be Taysom Hill... You know, that is going to make whoever you're playing just worry about all the ways he can attack you with the quarterback runs and all the creative things that way. So that's what he wants to do. He wants to be able to go, wait, you got to worry about defending the Drew Brees offense with Jameis Winston at quarterback. And I know that might not be exactly the same, but in theory, it's going to still be the Saints offense of what they do. And, oh, wait, wait, Taysom Hill might start, and that could totally change. And now we're a run-first team and might have all these bells and whistles and everything like that, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and we take deep shots down the field with max protection and only two receivers. So, yeah, that that's, that's a schematical advantage for them. And I think Peyton's going to, you know, Sean Peyton's going to ride that home. I think it will be Jameis Winston, though, in my heart of hearts. I do. For the one reason, Mike, and I don't know, you tell me what your, you know, pasta and meatballs in your stomach tell you after this but like I just we haven't seen Taysom Hill play quarterback yet how many reps has he gotten throughout the year to play quarterback and do those things you know that those are the things I don't know to where hey it'd be one thing if he was full-time quarterback full-time backup and he hadn't played that's okay okay yeah he's getting reps all that but you know think about yeah he's quarterback but he might be down with the wide receivers he might be with the running backs he might be doing this so how many reps has he got to really run within the offense since training camp as far as just running the drop back part of it? And that's to me where I think it'll end up in Jameis Winston's hands where he runs he's quarterback and then we see Taysom Hill just have a role in the offense.
1: But is that what we see or is it Taysom Hill preparing to be the backup to Jameis Winston and no Taysom and no Taysom Hill right. package? Yeah. I think back like last week. Teddy yeah. Bridgewater was the quarterback.
2: I think that's what it'll be. I think you're not going to see a Taysom Hill package and you're going to see him in the offense, you know, to catch some balls and things like that. But I think they'll be careful with them because they're going to worry again. Hey, let's give the Saints credit. They got a Super Bowl team and they went out and got a big time backup quarterback once again. And we'll see. Hopefully it saves their butt once again. Um but yeah, I, I, I think I, I I think that's probably the way they go because they don't want to risk losing Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston and then bye bye season or bye bye two games we've lost and now we're in trouble.
1: Here's the thing that that sticks out for me. Yeah. And there's two. It's a tough first. One. Yeah, and and this is the simplest level of logical analysis that I can engage in, which is also the most complicated I can engage in. Last year, when. Drew Brees got injured week two against the Rams with the thumb problem that required surgery, and he missed several weeks, and he came back, and Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0. and oh. The depth chart that they always downplay. Oh, we only do this because we have to. Well, it's still a link on your website. You pull it up, and there it is. Drew Brees one, Teddy Bridgewater, two. Taysom Hill, three. Next man up. Made sense, Yeah. right? Yeah. Taysom Hill's not the backup. Teddy is. Of course he takes over. This year... That depth chart that every team has, and whenever anyone tries to rely on it, they say, Oh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Drew Brees one, Taysom Hill two, Yeah. Jameis Winston three. And you throw on top of it the contract that was given to Taysom Hill in the offseason. Right. The 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 two year deal was sixteen million guaranteed. Uh, you know, what are they paying him for? I know. Because they sure don't they sure don't use him on the offense like like they gave him 16 million guaranteed and if you're ever thinking about making this guy your quarterback post breeze don't you want to find out at some point what what he can do you know know, we've we've used this sports car analogy with him in the past you've bought it it's in your garage you're taking it out for like random spins but you're never really finding out everything it can do. You're never dropping the pedal to the metal. You're, n- you're never yeah. putting it in a spot where, right. you know, you see how it handles and what you can accelerate it to. And, hey, if you think this guy can be Steve Young, and we didn't say that, Sean Payton said Steve Young. If you think he can be that, put him on the field while he is young. I mean, he's pushing 30, if not over 30. Let's see what the guy can do. You're going to trust him presumably at some point to be your quarterback. Put him out there. Let's let's go. Let's see what he can do this weekend. I know. That's what I would do. And if you don't do it, it makes me wonder what the hell's really going on with Taysom Hill.
2: Well, I it is, I mean, listen, it, it's a tough spot. I I mean, it really, you know, I think the guy has talent. Sean Payton recognizes that he didn't get to play a ton of quarterback. He has plans for him to be, yes, maybe a future quarterback. But either way, I think part of paying him was just to keep him here for the future, too. Because of, wait, maybe he's the quarterback. Maybe he is just a full-time weapon, H-back, tight end, slot receiver, running back type of guy. Maybe that's what it is. I think it's all on the table still. And that's really why they paid him. And I think Sean Payton looked at it and went, you know, this is kind of my, my joker here. And I, I, I can use it in a lot of different ways. And I don't want to lose him as far as a weapon right now or a potential starting quarterback down the road. And that's it – it's a really tough decision this week. I don't know where you hey, go with Chris, it. Chris, though, yeah.
1: hey, at some point – Yeah, I know. At some point, mm-hmm. you're going to have other guys in that locker room looking at Taysom Hill saying, why are they paying this guy so much money? And why am I not getting that kind of money? Yeah. I mean, it's all. It's kind of like the, the Matt Teacher's Ryan, Julio pet. Jones effect where – you know, when, when Matt Ryan gets to thirty million a year and Julio Jones is at fifteen, is like, what's wrong with this picture? This guy isn't twice as valuable as me. So if you're Alvin Kamara, or Michael Thomas, some other key piece of the puzzle, and you've got this guy who makes cameo appearances, and we know he can be very good, but he's only used sparingly, at some point you're like, What what's going on here? And I think that has been the nagging question with the Saints and Taysom Hill all year, what's really going on here? And if Jameis Winston ends up playing quarterback and we don't see Taysom Hill on the field at all because he's number two, uh, I think the, the question becomes even more pronounced. What What's going on with Taysom Hill and the Saints?
2: Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it's going to open up a can of worms to where people are going to wonder, yes, is he really the future of the franchise, that quarterback? What's the story? Why aren't we playing him? Um, but, but that's where, you know, again, I think that's going to be a little bit about where he's at in this season. You know, we're 10 weeks in, you know, I'm sure he does some quarterback stuff, but how much of the day is he really there, you know, going through the nuances of the offense? Oh, it's individuals, you know, it's individual drill time. Quarterbacks are over here. Receivers are over there. Running backs are over there. Is he always with the quarterbacks? I doubt that. I-, I wouldn't imagine. I think there's probably certain scenarios he is, but other ones where he's down there with the receivers and the running backs and figuring things out that way too, and that's to me the big question, or the thing we will 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 figure out, I guess, is just where he's at in that process, and can they trust him to run, you know, a semblance of the Sean Payton, Drew Brees type offense, and he can do all of that stuff, let alone some of the stuff he does, you know, as well. And I, I think that's where it's risky, and that's where Sean Payton's probably gonna have to evaluate it during the week, and and as what's gone on during the season. The good
1: news for the Saints, the schedule is far from daunting in the Man. immediate future. In fact, when you look at the balance of the schedule, they really don't have many games that scream out, uh-oh, oh, you got a problem. The next three should be no problem. Although the Falcon Saints rivalry is very, very intense. They play twice in three games with the Broncos in between. Yes. And the Falcons have won three of their last four. So this is not a gimme. And Raheem Morris, the interim coach of the Falcons, mentioned yesterday, well, I guess we're going to have to prepare for both guys. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And that may simply be what what Sean Payton is trying to do. Now, I think the challenge comes Wednesday. As of Wednesday, and, and so many coaches have tried this unsuccessfully. You can't Keep everyone quiet. Someone is going to say something to someone about who was the first string quarterback at practice on Wednesday. That's when we'll know. There will be a report from someone Wednesday afternoon, early evening at the latest as to who got the bulk of the first team reps at practice on Wednesday. And that'll be our first clue as to whether or not it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. But you know, Tuesday is the big game plan day, and I know the Falcons have the capacity on the fly to come up with whatever they need to do, and they've dealt with Jameis Winston. They delivered the death blow to his career in Tampa Bay. They've dealt with Taysom Hill. They they just, they just are going to need to be ready for both. And uh, until further notice, it could be either guy, and there's still a chance that it will be both guys. Uh, you know, that's maybe, the other maybe, thing, maybe, too. maybe they just, maybe 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 the just use
2: they both. I agree. I mean, it, yeah. I don't think that's crazy this year. I don't. You know, you know Jameis Winston. You know, new system, things like that. Maybe this is a way he takes a little pressure off of him too, and they use a little bit more. I I wouldn't be shocked to see that this year. I wouldn't to where maybe Sean Payton risks. Hey, let's I'm going to throw Taysom Hill out here a little bit more quarterback and do those type of things, and then he doesn't maybe have to ask as much of Jameis Winston. I think it's a possibility, certainly. And, like, to the point with the Falcons you're talking about, Mike, too, it is real. Yeah, the Falcons aren't as good as the Saints, but Raheem Morris knows this Sean Payton offense. You know, all those years he had in Tampa, coaching against Gruden and those things, a lot of similarities. That's why they had success last year. They took away some of the staples of the Saints. And I think that'll scare the Saints, too, to where maybe that's where the Taysom Hill part of the offense comes into play a little bit more to add
1: another curveball you know, to their attack. Quick question, quick answer. Under the time-honored notion of putting the best 11 guys on the field, who's better, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston?
2: Oh. I'm going to go with Jameis Winston. I don't it, – it, that's close. Uh, it, that's close. It really is. But I just haven't seen Taysom Hill play enough quarterback. Yeah, Taysom Hill's a better football player, but he, I can't say he's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston. And I'm kind of excited to see what Jameis Winston can do in a Sean Payton offense.
1: I I say let's find out what Taysom Hell. Yeah, I hear that I hear you find out. Take take the cover off the car, open the garage door, back it out and go. And if it goes, great. If it doesn't, at least you know. We're gonna take a break. When we return, Buccaneers doing something unusual to try to get ready for the next primetime game. And another incident has emerged regarding receiver Antonio Brown. We'll discuss that next year on PFT five.
3: Do you feel like you're rolling at hundred percent, or do you feel like you're still working some things out with Tom Brady when things get to game speed? I feel like we're gelling, getting better and better. You know, continue to make plays, continue to get better. Uh, as long as we win games, continue to keep winning. Uh, I think uh, as the weeks and weeks go on, we'll get better and better uh, from having more time together, more repetitions. The better we'll get. I think uh, we just trajectory tra- tra- just going up in a positive manner, and uh, we just got to keep growing individually and collectively.
1: Antonio Brown, after the Week 10 victory over the Carolina Panthers, Brown had seven receptions in that game, more than any other Tampa Bay Buccaneer on the field. And off the field, Monday afternoon, the Miami Herald reported that on October the 15th, before Brown signed, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There was an incident at a gated community. He resides at in Hollywood, Florida. Allegedly destroyed a security camera. Allegedly threw a bicycle at a security guard shack. Police determined there was probable cause to charge Antonio Brown with criminal mischief, misdemeanor level. The homeowners association manager decided not to, in part because she was concerned that he may retaliate against employees of the homeowners association. So they let it go. The wrinkle here is he's on probation for a felony charge arising from an altercation with the driver of a moving truck back in January. So even if you aren't charged for this incident, the authorities can swoop in and say you have run afoul of your probation agreement. You are going to jail for that. We're revoking your probation. It's a privilege to be on probation. You have to dot I's and cross T's and there's a bunch of thou shalt nots that you must adhere to this would tend to be the kind of thing that would get a guy in trouble it would on his probation yeah now will it get him in trouble with the Buccaneers no this was all breaking yesterday while we were doing PFTPM and the Buccaneers sent me a statement during the show we're aware of the reported incident involving Antonio Brown prior to his signing When Antonio Brown joined us, we were clear about what we expected and required of him. Thus far, he has met all the expectations we have in place. That is a bunch of words that ultimately means we aren't doing anything about this. Yes, exactly didn't, didn't. It didn't happen since we signed him. Even though, Chris, there's a chance they looked him in the eye across the table and said, is there anything else we don't know about? And he said, no, there's nothing else. And if they didn't do that, they should have done it. And maybe they did it, and he said, "Yeah, there's this thing that happened a few yeah, weeks ago it, where I got it? upset and I broke a camera." Did he disclose that? Right. I don't know. But their statement makes it clear he's getting a pass on this one. He's getting if he has any freebies, he's getting a freebie on this one. Yeah, no, I mean,
2: you know, they've already taken the heat of this situation now, where they feel like, oh, this, you know, this isn't a big enough deal for them to get him off the the, the hot seat as far as the Antonio Brown conversation is going to go. Let alone, you know. Not get him off the hot seat because we know Brady wanted it. I mean that that's another thing too here. So yeah, they're gonna probably give him a little bit more leash than most teams in football would. I don't know if he deserves that. I'm certainly not shocked about hearing news of Antonio Brown causing an issue. I mean that oh, really? I mean really surprised by that one. You know, but to me the interesting thing is, yes, did this did this catch Tampa off guard? Or were they aware? I'm not sure which one's worse, really. I mean, are you worse if you, you're you aware of it and then sign them? I mean, I, I don't know. So in some ways, I look at it that and go, man, you were going to take a risk on a guy. And if he told you and you still took the risk, you know, then I don't care. Make your You made your own bet in this conversation. But, um, uh, again, I don't think this is going to be the last story we'll hear about Antonio Brown this year.
1: It's a simple analysis. Either you didn't pose the question, the catch-all, is there anything else, or you did and he lied to you, or you did and he told you and you still signed him. None of those three outcomes are good looks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No. Primetime has not been a good look for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. They lost to the Bears. They were sluggish against the Giants, and then they got blown off the field by the New Orleans Saints. So the next game, primetime. Against the Los Angeles Rams. Here's Bruce Arians on a change that they're making to their schedule so that they'll play better under the lights.
3: Well, we got to try something because we've we've had really really poor starts in, in night ball games. So uh, we're going to try practicing at that game time, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, do some more stuff actually Monday morning uh, than we've been doing, and uh, and see we got to try something. So uh, you know. Luckily, we have an indoor facility, and uh, and we can work at night. So we're, we're going to do that and uh, hopefully get a better result uh, to start a ball game at night.
1: That's the first time I've ever seen Bruce Arians without a hat. I was
2: going to say the same Chris? thing. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen the top of his head before. I didn't know
1: who that was. I didn't know who it was. I thought it was John Houseman. Google it, kids. All right, there they are scoring in primetime. Uh, yeah not good outscored by 20 points this year in prime time and we saw the embarrassing loss to the bears on the thursday night when tom brady lost track of the downs they they screwed around with the giants a game that we thought they were going to win easily they were double digit favorites and they won by two points uh a, 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 a pass interference call that was made and then not made a couple of weeks ago that preserved that victory and then blown off the field i don't Chris, what do you think? Yeah. Is this, does this change anything? It seems a little gimmicky. It seems a little goofy to me.
2: Well, I, I'll say it's gone on at every level. I mean, when I was in high school, we did it. If we were in college and Mac Brown and company, we had a game late at night. We would have pushed off some practices to a little later. The NFL, I only did it with Jeff Fisher. I feel like it gets left out in the NFL a little bit. Yo, we're professionals. We're just going to run our schedule, do those type of things. But does I will, it help? It does. You know, it gets you used to one, wait, i got to get my level and my body going at this time of the day. Oh, wait, this is what it's like to catch balls under the lights at nighttime and deal those things. I think it's the process, let alone now there's been a marker on it, be like, hey, we didn't play well enough, we're going to do this, and that adds some more importance to it this week for them too.
1: Another hour of PFT Live still to come over here.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards.